back to iGen Politics. This is a podcast that makes politics engaging and relevant for all generations. This is Victor Xi, and I'll just say from the outset, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or any other platform, you're going to want to go to youtube.com slash Politicon because you're, it's going to be a very, very interactive episode. But Jill, I'll kick it off to you. Okay, and I'm Jill Weinbanks, and I am at the Gerald Ford Presidential Museum in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Right now, the picture you're seeing of me, I am sitting at the presidential desk of Gerald Ford post-presidency. This is his office in the museum. I'm sitting in a chair that has a presidential wow, seal. Wow, a presidential it. seal on it, yes. Yeah. And um, I, I'm going to turn the camera away from me to show you the rest of the office. And then we're going to walk through the museum. Hold on. Let's Sounds see if good. Okay, so here's his conference table from his desk, wow. and this is, uh, oh gosh, there, well, there's presidential seals on the doorknobs, and here's pictures of his mother and father, and I learned today- Of course, today, you see the University of Michigan, uh, um, I guess, blanket yes. on the chair. Oh, yes, you do. That is because, of course, he went to the University of Michigan undergrad yep. and then to Yale Law School. Mm-hmm. But what I learned today is that the man shown here, who is Gerald Ford Sr., is actually his adoptive father. He was born a, with a different name. It wasn't Gerald. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Ford. It was Lester King. And I just heard wow. a joke that said he's the only president who was born a king. So, that was that's a, that's a good yes yeah but not but he did not act as king unlike donald trump he did not he was a very decent and ordinary person i'm now walking through the reception area of his desk and someone is going to guide wow. me out of here into a maze okay we're going to well, see Jill, the while, while you're and, and walking, I, why don't you tell our audience, I mean, what is what is the significance of Gerald Ford, um, especially to you? Well, to me, that's a great question, Victor. Thank you for asking. Uh, of course, Gerald Ford was Richard Nixon's appointed vice president when Spiro Agnew resigned in disgrace after being um, an information was filed against him. We're now approaching, by the way, Gerald Ford's congressional desk in oh, wow. Grand Rapids. He had an office in Grand Rapids. And this is his desk there. But, okay, so he was a congressman, a great public servant, and he then got appointed vice president after Agnew resigned. And he became president after Nixon resigned. Mm-hmm. And here's actually part of the Watergate wow. exhibit. Wow. And it wow. is Richard Nixon addressing the public uh, after the burglary and uh, saying he's not a crook. Mm-hmm. And then- Which was a lie. Th- yes, of course. This is the, uh, he has to give us the tapes. There's Archie Cox, my boss. Archie Cox, yes. And, and since there's background noise, I'll keep walking. Um, let's see, which way should we go? Okay, we're gonna keep walking and there's all sorts of, oh, he, this is, of course, the headline. Nixon, Nixon resigns. Done. Yeah, yeah. And this is. Wow. Gerald Walking Ford yep. and Betty Ford escorting out 
-hmm. President and Mrs. Nixon as he was right after his official resignation. Um, You know, headlines everywhere were Nixon resigns. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, this was the president of all the people because what he worked for so hard was to reunite the country after the division of Watergate. Um, And he... Now I'm going to approach the Oval Office. The Oval Office, the Oval Office replica. Yeah, yeah. Well, yes, that looks. I wonder if that's the same size as the actual Oval Office because one of the things that I remember from this summer is that the Oval Office is quite tiny. Um, well, this is sort of small. It is sort it's, of small. Okay. Uh, and I think this is. It does seem a little smaller than the real thing. Do you know? I'm, I think it is the same size. Oh, one wow, of the most okay. interesting things that I want to point out is that there is some controversy over whether during Nixon, there were sconces where those two small pictures are. You see the fireplace yep. and the painting above it. Mm-hmm. And there's two smaller to paintings the side. on yep. either side. Yep. There used to be sconces there. And the story that I heard today from uh, someone who's on the foundation board, I believe, uh, uh, um, said that, the story is that after Gerald Ford took over, they discovered that the sconces had microphones in them. Because remember, the microphones for the oh, taping system right, were in right. the Oval Office desk. They were in a number of places and that they didn't know they were there. And he said, I want those uh, out of here. I'm leaving the office. When I come back, I want them gone. And they there were holes. And so they filled it with art. And huh. I'm going to have to, I looked up, and I know from my experience going to the Richard Nixon Oval Office that there mm-hmm. were sconces. And I did some research just now. And yes, indeed, we found pictures of the sconces. So, but I don't know if they were taken out because Gerald Ford didn't like them. So someone is going to try to contact David Kennerly, who was the White House photographer for President Ford. So anyway, wow, this is the Oval Office. And I think that's very exciting and cool. Yes, yes. I'm from Chicago. This was he inherited a very bad economy, but do you recognize that person? Oh yes, I. Um, is Jesse he Jesse Jackson. Washington? Jesse Jackson? Yes, Jesse, Jesse Jackson. Jackson. Yes. So there you are. Wow. I mean, in the Ford Library, and Ford he's Museum, still going today. And he's still going today. Yes, we'd love to have him on iGen Politics mm-hmm. if he's listening. Uh, Reverend Jackson, we would love to have you as a guest. And here's a replica of the White House where, Victor, you worked this summer. So yes, that, 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 looks, that looks familiar. You have the East Wing and then you have the residency and then you have the yep. West Wing on the end. The only yep. thing that it doesn't have is the where like 99% of the employees work, which is the uh, Eisenhower office building. But exactly. this is, this is what, the OEOB, the, the old executive yes, office, exactly. which was, do you know what that was when it was first built? You told me it was the Pentagon, Pentagon. right? Yeah. Exactly. Yes, it was. That was the first Pentagon. Then I want to show you something that I found extremely exciting and important. Okay, guess what we come to now? This is part of the Betty Ford exhibit. And mm-hmm. look at Betty Ford and what she's wearing. ERA. Yes, that is, I know that is for anyone who's listened to this podcast, you know, that is Jill's new passion. And it should be all of uh, our passions, too, because it's so important. Wow. Yes. I mean, that was, was how long ago? That was she, what? 
Well, this this says in 1975. Wow. Okay. And so she was a big supporter of the Equal Rights Amendment. She also was a supporter of Roe versus Wade. She said the decision belonged in the doctor's office, not the Congress. And I, did I have that? It, not in the back, not in back alleys, but in doctor's offices. So I thought no. that was fabulous. And here's you, you see this pin here. I, of course, have that same, the green one. Let's see. That's as close as I can get. The ERA, yes. I have an ERA, yes. And the, here's some of her clothes from the 70s. She was quite a fashion plate in yes. the 70s. And there's, I'm going to show you from state dinners. I'm walking to where the foreign part of the museum is. And look at this dress with mink cuffs. Not totally oh. correct anymore, but... At the time, it, it was. And his tails, this is Gerald Ford's, it, you know, it's a white tie. Well, actually, he's wearing a black tie. But this is usually considered black white tie, which is above black tie, because he's wearing tails. And this was how they served their foreign dignitaries. And we can't tell, but we think this might be Prince Philip that she's dancing with in this picture. Ooh, I think that is Prince Philip. Yeah, that's what we, we think it is. But we're not... I, I can't swear to that, and it's not identified. So um, we're going to keep walking toward where there's more Watergate exhibit. Okay, we're going to walk toward the Watergate, more Watergate exhibit. Oh, here's from, I'll stop temporarily. This is from the Bicentennial. And by the way, I was on the mall for the fireworks of the Bicentennial. Oh, wow. And this is, they were described as Bicentennial tchotchkes. <laughs> There's actually toilet paper that says, oh, my, oh, wait, this is from the 76 election. Sorry. This is anti-Carter. Oh, <laughs> anti it's, yes, it says, I've, I've, I've. I mean, it's so interesting to see oh, all I, of the, I, all of the I political. my bottom with Jimmy. Right, right. Jimmy Carter. Uh, so we don't like that one. Um, but there are some other buttons that I'll show you. And this is Carter and, um. And President Ford. And so anyway, these are all things from the bicentennial. Oh, oh that's a nice necklace. I would take that. Guys, he's now I'm sorry, I can't get close enough. Let's see. Yeah, I can't get close enough to make that meaningful. But okay, now we're gonna go to actually should we go to the cabinet room or is there more Watergate first? Okay, we're gonna go to Watergate and then we'll go to the cabinet room. Sounds good. Oh yeah. So oh here's buttons that um, I like better. Sorry, my hand is getting in the way. It's very hard to hold. Here's for- Oh, the political buttons one, for- Yes, one says, pardon me, oh. Gerald, which was for his pardon of Nixon. And the other is, remember Watergate, vote Carter. Even Agnew has a Watergate. Remember the bugging, vote Carter, et cetera. So these are the um, anti anti- Ford buttons, which is pretty brave of the museum to show. Um, and then there's, you know, just other memorabilia here. Whoops. And there's an alarm going off. Here is a Sony tape recorder, which Rosemary used a Sony for a few days of trying to transcribe before she got the Euro. This is not that Sony. This is a Sony that was in the um, president's, President Richard Nixon's office. 
that he used, I think, probably to record his mem his not memoirs, but he every day he recorded what happened. Um, and and so I think that's what it must have been used for. It's probably the government. And I think this is on loan from the archives. Yeah, this is a, um, and many of the people here are archive, National Archive employees. Mm. And here's something, Victor, do you know what this is? Let's see if I can get close enough. Do you know what that is? Uh, no, but it looks like something where you sort files. Or is that not it? No, I, I have no clue. It's, it's little. And it's it, little, yeah, yeah. It's called a Rolodex. And that's oh. what people put. It was little cards that went on these things and they were alphabetized. And I actually own a Rolodex that has the White House phone number on it and a few other ones. And this uh, is, you know, that looks like a bomb. I know, but it's not. You know what that is? No way you would. Fireworks. I no, it, no clue. It's not. It's actually a devised splitter so that Todd Christopherson, mm. the clerk to Judge Sirica, and Judge Sirica could listen to the tapes together at the same time. So they wow. put this input into the tape recorder. And anyway, that's that's what that is. I thought that was interesting. And these, I'm going to show you, I'm going to walk through these. These are courtroom drawings, or in this case, this is from the Senate hearings. Right, here's, and this is by Frieda Ryder, huh. who was the same courtroom artist who did the Watergate trial. And anybody who wants to read my book, there is a Frieda Ryder drawing of me cross-examining Jeb Magruder, um, wow. and by the same artist that's here. This is the um, Watergate burglars appearing before Judge Sirica. And this one is the Saturday Night Massacre. Um, oh my gosh, yes. And I don't know why that's a Saturday. Wait a second. That's not the Saturday Night Massacre. Why does it say that? Um, a lawyer presents evidence to the jury. I don't know who that is. That's really weird. Um, that's clearly not the Watergate cover-up case. That must have been the Watergate break-in case, is what I'm going to say. And yeah, yeah. And here's a picture of the Watergate Hotel. Is on, I can't get rid of the sign. Maybe on the left of this picture, the small white structure mm -hmm. is Howard Johnson, where the lookouts were that were supposed to alert the burglars who were in the office building across the street. The Kennedy Center is in the upper, I don't know, let's see, can I point to it? Here. That's the Kennedy the Center. Kennedy Center, and that's the water. This, this is the office building, and this is the Howard Johnson. Wow. You know, we were we were actually just there this summer for the 50th anniversary of Watergate. Right. And so that was my yeah, first time exactly. actually being in that exactly. uh, space. It was a great, we went to a restaurant there, and it was wonderful. And the, that's right, we did. And, oh. Oh, and there was... Oh dear. Well, okay. Or is there somewhere quiet that we could talk that he and I can talk? Should we go back to the other office? Maybe. Okay. I'm going to just, unfortunately the sound is on um, describing what this room is. Hmm. So this is the cabinet room as it mm -hmm. looked during um, Gerald Ford's presidency. Yep. And this is the explanations of it. Each chair has someone's name on it, right? Yeah, the camera officer. So this yeah, is yeah. the Secretary of Transportation. Transportation, right, right. This is the Secretary. And are those are those the real chairs that they sat on? Uh, no, this is all replicas. All replicas. This is all replica. And in fact, this is Secretary of Defense, which means Secretary of 
This is Gerald Ford's, oh, yeah, Gerald Ford's the president. Yeah, yeah. But this is not only not the real chair. The real chair would have been taller mm-hmm. than all the others. Mm-hmm. And as you can mm-hmm. see, pushed it in. It's the same height as it's everybody else. Right, right. And on his right is always the Secretary of State because that's mm-hmm. the ranking cabinet member. Sure. So anyway, sure. this is and Eisenhower's picture is the one that was chosen to be in the cabinet room during his presidency. So I think that is, um, we'll go back now to the office. We're going to go past, he was in the Navy. So there are uh, a lot of ships and things. Oh, okay. I'm going to just walk around here because she thinks she can turn off the sound and we can stay in the cabinet room and have our conversation. Okay, wonderful. They're renovating here, as you can see. Mm-hmm. And there is downstairs, there's a piece of the Berlin Wall uh, that became part of, of the museum collection. And it, it's got graffiti on it. So it's quite interesting. But here's the entrance to the cabinet, to the cabinet room. room. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just thought it was interesting. I'm here to speak. I hope um, if anybody's listening to us, they should come and hear me. Um, and we're going to be doing an interview about the Watergate Girl book. Um, I'll be answering questions. And it's been, it's it's just lovely. Um, the music you hear in the background, can you hear that? Is um, uh, from the funeral. It's, 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 can't do it. They're off. Oh, they're off. Oh, okay. The sounds oh. are off. I'm going to sit in the president's chair. They said. <laughs> okay, can... yes. So I'm Definitely sitting in the just a second let me go sit down there and then i'll try and turn the the, oh well it's not that easy to pull it out okay i'm pulling it out okay there we go oh wow i'm not tall enough for this chair now if i'm good i'll be able to get the the camera back to show me there we go okay so here i am sitting at Okay, oh, I can't show you now, but it says the president. Yeah, so I'm yep. sitting where the president sits. Thank you. Oh, another another sound above. <laughs> yeah, that's Carla Gills, who is one of the first female cabinet officers, um, and she's giving an introduction. Um, let's, let's listen to her for a second. Got to figure out how to get my hand out. There we go. Is that better? Yes. So, hey, Victor, you know, I have been raving about HelloFresh ever since I met you, basically. And I even gave a gift box to your mother, who is, I understand, now a subscriber and using it. And I'm sending you a gift box because you're now living in an apartment on campus. And I think it's time for you to learn how to cook and to have all the advantages of HelloFresh. What do you think about doing that, Victor? I think it's time too. you know, one of the biggest barriers for me, at least when I cook is the time involved and also just getting groceries. And so I think having a something like HelloFresh where you can just follow a recipe, have all the ingredients delivered to you at its precise amount is exactly what I need to start cooking. I think will make the process a lot easier and hopefully get rid of my fear of cooking. I'm sure that it will. Absolutely. And my mom has enjoyed it also. She has been using HelloFresh, I think, since February of 20. 20- 
22. And so um, she's a very, very big fan. And we are a HelloFresh family because of her. So we get it about twice a week. And uh, when I'm not there, she cooks. Uh, and when I'm there, she also cooks HelloFresh. <laughs> With HelloFresh, you can get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. So skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. And with cold weather looming, we're in the season where it feels amazing to cozy up and save money by cooking at home. That makes all the perfect time to experience the delicious taste and unparalleled convenience of HelloFresh. Their meals are fantastic, and you can have your pumpkin spice and eat it too, thanks to a rotating selection of fall-inspired items from HelloFresh Market. And from brunch kits to a fall dessert board, you'll find everything you need for all your favorite autumn occasions like tailgating, Oktoberfest, and more. We know you and your family will love them all. HelloFresh even works with your schedule. Their plans are flexible and you can change your meal preferences, update your delivery day, and change your address with just a few taps on the HelloFresh app. Imagine getting HelloFresh quality produce from the farm to your door in less than a week, allowing you to enjoy their incredible flavors of the fall season right from home. Go to HelloFresh.com slash iGen65 and use that code iGen65 for 65% off plus free shipping. That's 65% off and free shipping. Remember, go to HelloFresh.com slash iGen65 and use the code iGen65 for 65% off plus free shipping. You can also look for the link to HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit in our show notes. Tell me the questions you have, Victor. So, well, I, okay. So I think, I think the sound is off, right? Yes, it is. Okay. Okay. Well, no, that, that was a, that was a fantastic museum tour. I mean, it's, it's crazy to, to me to, to think about from, you know, f- this was more than 50 years ago that this happened. And I mean, some of the things that continue to be persistent problems in our democracy. I mean, one of the things that you said that I, I found, I was actually just reading about this before this episode is, you know, Gerald Ford really uh, came into the op- came into the Oval Office during turmoil. I mean, the country was very divided, and as we all know, he pardoned and Richard economic Nixon, crisis as well. And economic crisis, and so he pardoned um, Richard Nixon. Did you think? Do you think that's the right decision? Should he have pardoned Richard Nixon? Was that the mo- was that the key to uniting the country again? Um, that's I believe his motives were pure, and that that mm-hmm. is why he did it. I spoke at the museum many years ago with Benton Becker and Gerald Ford's son hmm. about the pardon. And Benton Becker is the young lawyer from the White House Counsel's Office who was tasked by President Ford to deliver the offer of pardon to Richard Nixon. And in doing so, Gerald Ford said, and you must tell him about the case verdict. It's a Supreme Court case that says pleading guilty, I'm sorry, that accepting a pardon is the same as pleading guilty. You are admitting guilt. And President Ford wanted to make sure that if Nixon accepted, he understood that that was what it was. And so Benton Becker went to San Clemente, uh, which is where President Nixon, former President Nixon had uh, moved and was living. Mm -hmm. And he did, of course, accept 
the pardon. And um, he described it in very, very emotionally touching mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I was very moved by it. But I think that had Richard Nixon been indicted, we wouldn't be having the problem we currently have with people saying, oh, you can't indict a president, even a former president. It's wrong. It isn't wrong. When crimes are committed, people must be held accountable for those crimes. Richard Nixon committed crimes and Donald Trump has committed crimes. And and they will keep on happening if we don't hold them accountable. So I think it was maybe at that time, you know, the country wasn't as divided then as it is now. Back then, it was the three top Republicans went to the White House and said, Mr. President, if you don't resign, you will be convicted on the impeachment mm-hmm. charges. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's something that certainly isn't happening now. The Republicans do not accept in any way that you know Donald Trump has committed crimes. And proving it in a court of law might be a good thing. And it, maybe that would bring the country together. And besides, I think a lot of um, Democrats and a lot of independents will be angry at the Department of Justice if they don't take action exactly. to hold him accountable. You know, there was there was a great Atlantic piece uh, yesterday, or I think maybe the day before. Um, and for viewers, this will be a couple of weeks from now because we're doing a pre-recorded episode. But you know, the author basically talked about how there really is no easy path for Merrick Garland. If Merrick Garland doesn't prosecute, Republicans or Democrats will be disappointed and independents will be disappointed. If he does prosecute, the far right's going to be very riled up. And so, you know, what does he do? And, and I think the only path right now is when you have so much evidence and facts in front of you, accountability and justice matters. Because if you don't do it for Trump, then you set the precedent for every other president going forward. And you say that this behavior is normal and it very much is not normal. And um, that it's something that is above the law. Right, so exactly. Not, we cannot have any person be above the law. So I, of course, I completely. You know, and, and one of our one of our former agree. guests, James Comey, um, has suggested the possibility or has floated the idea of Joe Biden pardoning Donald right. Trump, um, which, you know, I don't know whether or not. I would advise against it. I against would definitely. It, right. Yes. advise against it. It should not happen. Yeah. And I, I, the article, which will be in our show notes, we can mm-hmm. post the link to that, does conclude that Merrick Garland, Merrick Garland will, will indict. Yeah. And he goes through the reasons why. Yeah. And it's not because Merrick Garland said, I'm going to, but it was based on multiple interviews and time yes. spent. Um, exactly. It's a very fascinating article, well worth reading. Yeah. So, well, let's go. Let's go back to Gerald Ford for a second. So, you you got to see this up close, uh, the museum. I, I was able to cap, catch on to some things. What do you think? What, what was the? What was your favorite part about the museum? Well, I actually think you know, uh, of course, this is like reliving yes, my life. Exactly. But there's actually we didn't go through the whole museum. And I think that some of the earlier stuff about his childhood, mm. growing up, and, and frankly, learning, I, I didn't realize he was born to an abusive father, and mm. his mother left him um, and moved to Grand Rapids, where I, we think she had family. That's why she moved to Grand Rapids, um, and was a single mother um, with a very, very, this happened within weeks of his birth, apparently. So it kind of changes your perception of who Gerald Ford was. He went on to be quite a star football player, very excellent athlete, good golfer as well. And 
did nicely at the University of Michigan undergrad, mm-hmm. and then had to really talk his way into Yale. Mm-hmm. Um, and by talk, well, I, I don't have the facts completely, but in going through the museum with uh, a curator, it who's new to the museum, so she's mm-hmm. going to be doing some more research, and maybe I can come back and give a firmer answer. But it sounds like um, he. he they weren't sure they were going to take him for a variety of reasons. And so he went to work at Yale as a coach. I hope I'm repeating you correctly. She's nodding. I am. He went to work there as a coach and then said, please take me in. And they said, well, we're not sure. And he said, well, okay, I'm going to go do something else. And they said, okay, we'll let you in. And he, he was admitted. So um, apparently, so I'm looking this up right now, apparently. So he took a job as a boxing coach and as, Yes, uh, assistant I, varsity football coach at university at Yale University, and then applied right. to law school. So maybe it was that right. connection that maybe helped right. him a little bit. Right. Exactly. So I, I think it's yeah. I mean, it's strange that he became a boxing coach because, of course, he was known as a football player. But um, <laughs> yeah, he did take and and of course, you know who else was a boxer? Judge Sirica was a boxer. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah. Huh. He, that, that was his his thing. He was a boxer. The lights are going up and down, so if the lighting looks weird, it's they, they are self dimming and brightening, but it's okay. Um, so I mean, there's all these connections that you just don't think right, about, right? And it, it's it's I mean, it's just it's very interesting. And yeah. Grand Rapids, in addition to this museum, has a sculpture garden, botanic garden, the Meyer Gardens, which are absolutely fantastic. So. Huh. People who are anywhere near Grand Rapids should definitely consider coming to visit the museum. Or if you're in Ann Arbor, mm-hmm. like Barbara McQuaid, yes. my sister-in-law, you should go to the library. This is the only presidential library and museum that are in separate cities. Oh. But Joe Ford represented um, Grand Rapids for many, many, I can't remember how many terms he was in Congress, seven, I think, huh. um, or maybe more. And he wanted the museum here, but he had donated his papers to Michigan. So the library is in Michigan uh, under the control of NARA. And we did talk, I talked to the NARA people here about mm-hmm. the fact that mm-hmm. Donald Trump is incorrect when he says, for example, that Obama and one of the people here used to work for the Obama library. NARA controls all the documents that were sent for the Obama library. They are not mm-hmm. in the control of Obama. And that's because they belong to the people and to NARA. It's under NARA's control. So I just want mm. our audience to understand that. Yes, um, it does not belong to the former president. Yeah. I also want to point out, can you see my pin? Yes. It's what is a, it? It's a round, it's the 50th. Well, it was a gift during my um, a, a book tour. The Watergate Hotel sponsored a um, book party for me. And they gave me, I don't know how I get my hand out of here. I'm doing wrong, sorry. Um, they, they gave me this pin with a little squiggle on it, which is the Watergate Hotel symbol. And it oh. says the Watergate girl. And then it says up here, 1972, which was- Just for you, yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. I love yeah, that. I, I can give a, post a picture where you can- Yes, we'll definitely post a picture, picture of this on Twitter and, and include it in our show notes. That's, okay. a, that's a great pin. Um, well, that was a, that was a wonderful exhibit of uh, of of this museum. Um, a great tour, 
And we hope our audience learned a lot from this. Is there anything else that either you or um, the person with you wants to say about this museum? You want to say about the museum or anything? No, she. I, I could go. I could go on. <laughs> she said she could talk forever well, about what, it. What are the hours? When can if our, if our audience is interested? Ten to five, Monday through. Okay, that's the Monday through Friday hours. There are Saturday, Sunday hours, but she only works Monday through Friday, so she doesn't know the hours on Saturday and Sunday, but okay. they are open on Saturday and Sunday. And um, everybody should come. Presidential libraries, I've been to the um, the LBJ Library in Austin. I will, of course, someday go to the Obama Library. Yes, um, in Chicago. My husband has been to the Truman Library. And they are fascinating, really interesting. Oh, of course, how did I miss this? I've been to the Nixon the library. Nixon, which, which I have to visit now. You must LA. visit. You're yep. close enough to go. It's, yes. it's uh, You can take an Uber from L.A., so you can definitely get there. Or you have those car rentals for... Right, um, the zip cars. Yep. Zip cars, you should do that. It's seeing Richard Nixon's childhood home, the helicopter where he's doing his, you know, I can't hold my phone and do my arm thing, but um, where he's holding up his hands in a victory sign and resigning and leaving office is it's very meaningful. There was a big fight, which NARA won to add a Watergate exhibit. The Mm. private foundation that was originally running the library said, no, Watergate didn't happen. And the National Archives said, oh, yes, it did. And you can't have a library that's part of the presidential library system that doesn't include this significant mm-hmm. event. Mm-hmm. So that's um, that's that's how that came to be. So those are all worth. And my, I'm sorry, I just, there we go. I can only hold it with one hand, which makes it very hard. So I'm going to leave the cabinet room and say goodbye to you all so that I can go prepare for my speech a little later today and do a mic check. Wonderful. And, uh, well, we thank all of our viewers for watching this episode of iGen Politics. This looked and felt a little bit different because it was different. This is our first ever museum tour, um, and it was of a great museum. So we encourage all of our viewers to visit this uh, museum in Michigan um, to learn more about Gerald Ford and his legacy um, we'll be back next week with another great episode of iGen Politics. Remember, sure. by the way, I'm, I yeah. hope the camera is on the flags, it and is. they are. Um, one is the Marine Corps, I guess. Right, the red one is Marine Corps, and the Navy. But where's the Army? Coast Guard. But where's the Army? How does he not have the Army? Excuse me. Here's the Navy. Here's the Army. It's not the army flag I've ever seen, but here's an army one. Okay, he does have the army. I'm happy. Right, as long as he has the army, I'm I'm good. We've got all so, the flags. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you, everyone. We'll be uh, back next week for another great episode. Remember, you can find us on youtube.com slash Politicon or wherever you follow your podcasts. See you next week. Okay, let us know if you like this episode. Yes. Bye. Bye.